Welcome back to the podcast on Gen 1 to Rev 22. We started back in Genesis chapter 1 verse 1 and if the Lord tarries we're going to continue on Lord willing to Revelation 22 the end of the Bible going through verse by verse studying scripture and today we're going to be in Numbers chapter 13. If you are a listener and would like to support the program you can do so by finding us on Patreon, becoming a Patreon there at Gen 1 to Rev 22. Or you can also go to the support tab on the website on uh, Gen 1 to Rev 22.com and you can donate a book on my Amazon reading list. As we are continuing today in Numbers chapter 13, continuing in the book of Numbers, we come to the beginning of the account, the 12 spies being sent to Canaan. And we're only going to look down to verse 16 today, and I know that may sound like, wow, that, that you know, 16 verses, that's, that's a lot. Well, it's actually only like a paragraph or like a paragraph and a few little lines in, in my Bible is all that this section is. It, it goes rather quickly, and I think we're going to see that today, but we're, we're just going to touch on the first part, and we're really going to focus on an application that is based on an observation that we have here. And we're going to look at this from a theological uh, perspective, uh, looking at the Bible as a whole, biblical and theological perspective. And I think you'll see that as we go on. But let's begin by reading the passage, and then we'll observe and, and make application. So, as we dive into this passage, it says, uh, beginning in verse 1, And the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Send men to spy out the land of Canaan, which I am giving to the children of Israel. From each tribe of their fathers you shall send a man, every one a leader among them. So Moses sent them from the wilderness of Paran, according to the command of the Lord. All of them men who were heads of the children of Israel. Now these were their names. From the tribe of Reuben, Shemua, the son of Zakor. From the tribe of Simeon, Shephat, the son of Hori. From the tribe of Judah, Caleb, the son of Jephunneh. From the tribe of Issachar, Igal, the son of Joseph. From the tribe of Ephraim, Hosea, the son of Nun. From the tribe of Benjamin, Palati, the son of Raphu. Pardon me, lost my place. Uh, verse 10, from the tribe of Zebulun, Gideel, the son of Sodi. From the tribe of Joseph, that is, from the tribe of Manasseh, Gadi, the son of Susi. From the tribe of Dan, Amiel, the son of of Gamaliel, from the tribe of Asher, Sether, the son of Michael, from the tribe of Naphtali, the Nahibi, the son of Vosi, from the tribe of Gadguil, the son of Maki. Okay, before I go on to verse 15, I apologize, I probably really butchered those names, but we see that these men were important, and we see who they are and who they're the fathers of. Uh, genealogy, lineage meant a lot in... Um, in the biblical times, your family name meant a lot. As we go on to verse 16, though, there's this interesting verse that says, These are the names of the men whom Moses sent to spy out the land. And Moses called Hosea, or Hosea, the son of Nun, Joshua. Joshua. So, we're going to get to that last verse, really, as part of our application today. But let's observe a few things. 
we read 16 verses, but the 16 verses, in one sense, don't really say a lot. They, they, they give us some main points, in other words. It's all to one end. So I think we see two primary observations in the first 15 verses of this entire chapter, and it's this. One, there is one spy representing each tribe respectfully. There's one man who's a leader among that tribe that is selected to be a spy. And then, of course, they're going to be named. But secondly, these spies are sent according to God's command. Did you notice that up in verse 3? Moses sends them out according to the command of the Lord. It's, it's God's command. It's God's commission to them to go out and to do this. And, and commission may, of course, evoke other ideas in our minds as, as Christians because we have the great commission from Jesus. This was a commission, though. It was a, a temporary assignment, but it was an assignment that came directly from the Lord. It was like receiving the orders from your commander to go out and to do this mission. So we, we then see all the various names um, of who these people were. And then we come to verse 16, which there's an observation here. So I guess you could call it the third observation, but it's also a point of application today. And that is that there's this man by the name of Hosea, or Hosea, however you pronounce that. And Moses changes his name to Joshua. Moses calls him Joshua. Now, if you have read your Bible before, you may know about Joshua. Joshua and Jericho, Joshua the assistant of Moses is the same guy. But here we have the clarification that Joshua has been renamed. So names mean something in the Bible many times. And Hosea or Hosea um, in Hebrew, that means salvation. It's kind of like a generic term, salvation. However, Joshua means Yahweh is salvation. And Joshua, incidentally, is also the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Yeshua in Hebrew is the same name. And it means Yahweh is salvation. The Lord is salvation. So here was this guy who had a name from the time he was a little boy. His parents had called him and his name meant uh, Hosea, 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 however you pronounce it. It seems like there's different pronunciations, but the, the point is his parents have been calling him essentially salvation his entire life. And then Joshua, by being named Joshua by Moses, his name evokes a whole nother message. Not just salvation, not just deliverance, but the Lord is the deliverance. And, and Joshua's life story, really, as we're going to go on to, to kind of give a little bit of a spoiler as we go on in Scripture, Joshua's legacy really is going to be one of faithfulness to the Lord and the Lord delivering his people and, and giving victory. And, and so... Um, we're going to see that his name even here was important. And he shares the, the name of the Lord Jesus. Now, this is kind of the biblical and theological lens of the fact that as we go throughout the Bible, we, we, we do see that Jesus shares the same name, Yeshua. Jesus is our, uh, I guess it's our English or perhaps it's Latin. I, I don't know, really. I haven't done a lot of study or I don't recall at the moment, but um, Jesus is the, the term in English of this name. Joshua is still, and Josh are very common names. But I want us to also think about another two names that may more starkly contrast this idea of, of name having some importance in Scripture. And I want to illustrate that with the name Saul, first of all. 
and then the name Paul. Now Saul was going around persecuting the Christians in the book of Acts. He later would have his name changed to Paul when he was converted. He was given a new name later on. Uh, I, I don't think scripture really tells us when his name changes, but he becomes known by this other name later on. Um, and it seems like it may even be like a second name or something like that. Uh, many, many times people have multiple names or multiple titles, and Paul was a Roman citizen as well, so it's, it's possible that one was his Roman name, so to speak, and one was his Jewish name. However, Saul was the name he was known by originally. And Saul was also the name of another figure in the Bible, the first king of Israel, or I think there was kind of a, a local regional king in the book of Judges, but the first national king was, was Saul. And Saul's name in Hebrew uh, seems to mean to ask for. They, they asked for a king in the Old Testament, and they got Saul. And he was this big uh, stature of a figure, real impressive leader-type dude, um, but, but yet very self-confident. Other sources I've looked at hint that Saul may have even meant death. Or something of that. Saul's legacy, certainly, as the first king, was one of being death and, and, and even one of being a rebel. And, and I think all of those meanings, <clears throat> in many senses, certainly uh, reflect the Apostle Paul's life before he became a Christian. He was Saul before he became a Christian, and he was, he was known as being uh, a bringer of death. He was known as being a rebel. He even was asking for uh, letters, was he not? He, he was wanting to go out and hunt down the Christians. But when he becomes Paul, the interesting thing about his name is that it essentially goes from being death or, or rebel or something negative connotations, it seems, to being known as Paul, which meant small or humble, meant little. Rather than being this immense figure named after the first king of Israel, this kind of rebellious streak, this doing things in his own strength, much like the first king of Israel, even in his great zeal for legalistically the things of the Lord, Paul then becomes Paul because of Jesus Christ. And rather than being a huge figure in and of his own name and his own reputation, he becomes this small figure in the sense that he regards his life as nothing but for the sake of knowing Jesus Christ. He, he becomes consumed by living for someone else. And so I know this is a more stark example of a change of name, but name does mean something. I was reminded just the other day while staining, um, staining some siding at work for a client, I was listening to a podcast and the pastor was preaching on First uh, John, I believe, but he made this comment about how in the Old Testament, people's names meant something. And even today that people that are converted in, in other parts of the world will change their names and they become Christians. Because a name means something. Now, I don't want to take this too far, but it, it, it almost is like there is almost a prophetic element to our names. We, people live up to their names to a degree. Um, sadly, people live up to the expectations others place upon them sometimes. And, and there's been whole books written about that, about the power of, of blessing or the, the power of the words we say. And I'm not taking that too far to say that you have absolute power in your words by the grace of God any of our lives can be turned around. But the truth is that what we hear and what we say does impact us. The Bible does say out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. And so our, our words do mean a lot. 
the little old saying, sticks and stones may break your bones, but words will never hurt you. Well, that, that's really not true. Words can do enormous damage. They can do much bigger damage than physically enduring a beating or something. Uh, Paul, for example, is a key example of that. He endured a lot of suffering in his body, but it was words, uh, I think we see in the book of Acts, and, and contentious situations that are much harder on him than the actual physical uh, difficulties that he went through. Those were difficult for sure, but what hurt even more and what was even more of a burden upon him was the contentions and the, the cares, the concern for the churches he was ministering to. And so I think this is something for us to consider today by way of application. Uh, applying this in our worldview of understanding how we trace um, biblically and theologically the changing of names of people and, and the meaning of names throughout the scriptures, but also practically considering uh, that there is a reason why Christian parents take seriously what they name their kids. There is a reason why um, why Christians that convert in, in certain parts of the world, especially this, this may even be more common, change their names. And we certainly see in the testimony of the Apostle Paul how he no longer was known as Saul, that was his old life. And as we move into a time of just praying about this, this one main application of the passage, I want to remind us what the New Testament says. We are new creations in Christ. If we have placed our faith and trust in Jesus Christ, the old is gone, the new has come. We are new. We are new people. We've been given His Holy Spirit. We have been brought from death to life. We were dead in our trespasses and sins. We've been given life breathed into by God, given new life, and we can live for the Lord Jesus Christ. Father, I thank you today for an opportunity with my brothers and sisters to be able to walk through your word uh, in this podcast again today. And Father, I pray that you will remind us that you are the defining one of our lives and our testimonies and our character. Father, the truth is we may have had a name, we may have a name that was our given name and it was not maybe good. It may very well have represented our old life without Christ, before Christ. But Father, we are new in Christ and you can give us not only new spiritual life in Christ, not only new life for all of eternity, but Father, you also are the one that imparts to us a new name, a new destiny. We are now part of your family. We have a new family name. We are co-heirs alongside Jesus Christ because of his blood spilled for us who believe. Father, we thank you for that enormous privilege. And thank you as well for a reminder of, of perhaps understanding a little better why believers, especially in certain contexts, do literally change their names. Father, help us to appreciate that. Help us not to take this this pattern that we've seen, this this little footnote, so to speak, we've seen. Help us not to take this to an extreme and focus in an inordinate way upon words or names. But Father, help us to recognize the significance in your word upon them and to not deify this principle, but Father, to look to you and to look to you as the definer and the source of who we are, who we will be, and where we are going. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.